Amen. Merry Christmas. It is great to see you guys tonight. Uh, well, tonight is Christmas Eve, as you well know, and if you didn't, um, you should know because I'm wearing a jacket tonight, which is terrifically unusual. Uh, Matt is wearing a jacket. Ryan is wearing a jacket. Many of you guys are wearing jackets. And I actually say that on purpose, just in case you're one of our guests or visitors tonight. Uh, we're actually a very informal church. So like if you came tonight, you might think, good grief, these guys get all dressed up to come to church. And actually, uh, some of us just come like in shorts and flip-flops and t-shirts on Sundays. So just know that uh, you don't have to get dressed up to come here. Uh, but it is Christmas Eve. It is great to be with you guys. And uh, But we knock it up a notch when it comes to dress on Christmas Eve. And here's what I want you to do for me tonight. Uh, I want you to take it up a notch intellectually. Like I want to give, I want you to give me some intellectual energy that really I have no good reason to expect that you're able to give me tonight, okay? Here's the deal. Notwithstanding the fact that you have relatives staying at your house, notwithstanding the fact that you have relatives coming over tomorrow, notwithstanding the fact that right now, if that is the case for you, you've got like 9,000 lists running through your head. You're thinking about snacks and you're thinking about food and you're thinking about pillows and you're thinking about blankets and you're thinking about who you need to get out of the house before some of the other people show up because it might be awkward. You're thinking about managing all these relationships and all of this stuff. There's a lot going on notwithstanding that up here tonight. I want you to hang with me. There are people here tonight who still need to go shopping. <laughs> and they're men, right? They're all male. Don't tell us who you are. Just let us guess. And I don't know what you're going to do. Like, what, what are you, you going to do? Go to Walgreens? I mean, is that, the, is that the move at this point? Honey, I got you a blow dryer and a pack of red Twizzlers, you know, like, and some orange Fanta. There you go. That's it. That's what we got. There are presents yet to wrap. Okay, I'm in that camp. There are batteries to be installed. There are toys to be put together. There are tricycles to be put together. There are bicycles to be put together. There might even be a sad soul here tonight who has to put a trampoline together. Raise your hand if you have ever put a trampoline together. Like ever, like it ever. Okay, you've done that, right? Raise your hand if you've done it on a Christmas Eve. I thought it was going to be a good idea. It was not a good idea. Like I had an assembly team three days in advance, put most of it together behind like my neighbor's house. And then I had a team of three people show up to help me carry it down the street, you know, like at midnight. And then they helped me finish assembling the thing. And like, oh man, what a nightmare it is to put that thing together. Okay, well, some of you have to do stuff like that. But I want you with me. Some of you are overly hungry. Some of you are overly full. You know who you are. Here's the deal. Give me your best tonight, because tonight I want to talk about Plato. I want to talk about the Jewish tabernacle, and I want to talk about a book by Dostoevsky entitled The Idiot, which may or may not be about a pastor who chose to talk about this on Christmas Eve. But, but seriously, and here's why I want to do this. This is the payoff because I think if you stay with me, you will see Jesus. And that's what we're about as a church, helping people see Jesus. So John, the apostle, one of Jesus' most intimate associates, writes this about Jesus in the fourth book of the New Testament in the Gospel of John, verse 1. He's going to introduce us to Jesus, and he calls him the Word. He says that in the beginning was the word, or really what he says in the Greek language is, in the beginning was the Logos. And I know that it's Christmas Eve and I'm going Greek on you and some of you are eating Rolaids and now you're freaking out because you've got a trampoline to put together and you had no idea how difficult it was. And you're thinking, Tom, why are you talking to me about the Greek language on Christmas Eve? Why does that matter? Oh, it totally matters. 
It matters because 400 years before John sat down to write those words about Jesus, Plato used that word, logos. And he used it in his most famous work, a book called The Republic. And here's the deal. When John sat down to write, he knew not only that Plato had used that word, but he knew how Plato used that word. And he knew all about that book. He knew that it was a book about justice. And justice matters. Justice matters to me. Justice matters to you. You know, we long for justice. We not only don't have a problem with it, we want to see it happen. Like we look at the madness in this world in which we live, we look at the sadness, we look at the sickness, we look at the oppression, we look at the injustice, we look at the homicide, we look at the genocide, and at times from like the core of our being, we're like, Lord, if you are there, when are you going to bring all of this to an end? And we think to ourselves, if he does not at some point bring all of this to an end and right all of these wrongs, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. And more than that, I think the truth is, and whether this ought to be the truth or not, but a lot of us carry a little list in our hearts of people that we think deserve justice. And, you know, maybe it's somebody who hurt us in life, or maybe it's just some historically treacherous character like Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or Genghis Khan, or we're thinking, okay, if you're in ISIS, maybe you fall into that group at this point. And here's the deal. None of us behaviorally or anything at all like those folks. I, I get that. But you know what we're not? We're not completely innocent. And we're not even completely innocent by our own standards. Think about that for a minute. I mean, like, if you were born with a tape recorder around your neck and all that it ever recorded was what you said about how other people should live and behave and speak and think and vote and all that stuff, and then at the end of your life, the standard you were judged by was the standard that you established for other people, you'd be done, wouldn't you? We'd all be done. It'd be death by a thousand cuts. Because we do it all the time. We say, well, that person's just being selfish. You know, and like three minutes later, we're being selfish. Well, look at how prideful they are. And then it wells up in us like, you know, we don't have it or something. Well, that person's clearly eating too much at the holidays. You know, we're like unbuckling our belt to make room for round two. I mean, we do this. This person is dishonest. You're like eating some apple pie and your wife says, hey, you like my apple pie more than your mom's, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Plato says, what is justice? And he starts looking for justice. Actually, what he starts looking for is the soul of the perfectly just man. That would be reflected then in a perfectly just city. Might extend that. The soul of the perfectly just man. That could be the pattern for the perfectly just world. And he goes through this brilliant dialogue, guys, that gives birth to the great conversation, that gives birth to Western civilization as we know it. It's sort of a significant book. And he gets all the way to the end of this conversation and leaves the world in despair by telling us that, nope, not going to happen. There's no hope for that in reality in this world. But in Lagos, it could exist. And he says, perhaps in heaven... There is a heavenly word. There is a heavenly logos. There is the soul of the perfectly just man after whom a perfectly just city, a perfectly just world could be fashioned. And then he leaves it there until John picks up his pen 400 years later and says, let me introduce you to him. His name is Jesus. But just so you make the connection in the beginning was the logos. 
was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the perfectly just man, the perfectly just soul, the one with the wisdom and with the power, and for that matter, with the authority to affect a perfectly just world. The justice we're longing for is going to come. But he doesn't end there. He then says, and the word became flesh. He left heaven, guys, and through a supernatural conception, he entered into earth as one of us. And what did he do? Because it says in the English translation that he dwelt among us, but what it actually says is that he tabernacled among us. Why is that important? Well, what is the tabernacle in the Old Testament? The tabernacle is the means by which a holy, righteous, perfect God can be reconciled to people like me who can be selfish at times and prideful at times and gluttonous this time of year and dishonest if it serves my purposes every once in a while. You get the idea? And what stood at the center? An altar upon which Perfect, spotless, innocent lambs were sacrificed to cover over the guilt of the guilty. It's a remarkable thought. The New Testament writers come to us and say, let us introduce you to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The heavenly one who entered into this world out of love for me and out of love for you, specifically for the purpose of Bridging the gap between us and God at the expense of his life. And think how he woos you to himself. It's remarkable. Guys, God does not overwhelm oppression by being more oppressive. He doesn't undo injustice by being unjust. He doesn't end war by being more warlike or end selfishness by being more selfish. God comes to us in the most humble, in the most dependent in the most vulnerable, in the most personal form. And he enters into our humanity in the most human of ways through a birth canal complete with amniotic fluid and, a, and an umbilical cord and, and an elongated head. The king of heaven nurses from the breast of a small young girl. And he woos us to himself with the face of a child. That is the genius of heaven. No man would do that. So anyway, several years ago, I read a book by Dostoevsky, who was a Christian, wrote several books, brilliant, well, well known. Hopefully you know a little bit about him. But he wrote this book called The Idiot. And the idiot has a central character, and the central character is a prince. His name is Prince Lev Nikolaevich Mishkin. And Prince Mishkin is the idiot in the book, and he is also very clearly the Christ figure in the book. Why? Because Prince Mishkin alone has a heart large enough to love everyone. People who do him wrong, he loves them. People who take advantage of them, he loves them. People who are absolutely undeserving of his love, he loves them. Everyone else rejects this person, not him, he loves them. It's remarkable. And then not only that, he takes all of his princely wealth and he gives it all away. Oh, you need something? Sure. Oh, you're taking advantage of me? I actually know that. I'm still going to give it to you again and again and again and again. 
He takes that which is necessary for life, his life, if you will, and he lays it down for people who trample him and for people who appreciate him. It's remarkable. And the repeating refrain of this book is, beauty will save the world. That's brilliant. Dostoevsky doesn't say money will save the world or capitalism will save the world or democracy will save the world or science will save the world or technology will save the world. Education will save the world. No, he leaves all that on the floor. And he says, let me tell you something. Beauty will save the world, which begs the question of what beauty or whose. And it's the beauty of the Prince of Heaven, guys, the one whom Prince Mishkin is nothing but a a mere shadow who gave away heaven and earth and his life here in love for you. He gave away everything. And unlike everyone I've ever met, including me, he has the capacity to love all comers. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. Jesus has an overwhelming overcoming all-in sacrificial love for you. And he invites you to it. It's remarkable. So here's my Christmas challenge. I'm going to give you something to do on Christmas Eve because you don't have anything else to do this time of year, right? You ready for this? It's take the journey. It's engage in a process by which you open yourself up to the possibility of seeing Jesus. So we're rolling something out. We've done this a couple of times here at Rio, but in January, we're going to start something again that we call Alpha. Alpha happens all over the city. Alpha happens all over the world. There's like 30 million people or more that have gone through an Alpha course. And it's a wonderful and amazing experience. I've been a part of it every time that we've done it, and I really like, enjoy doing it. And here's what Alpha is. It's a time for you to come with your questions. It's a time for you to be heard. I think one of the things the church has not done well is we've not listened well. We've talked, we've argued. (laughs) We've not come in humility. Alpha is an opportunity to explore the big questions and big issues of life from a Christian perspective, but in an environment in which your perspective is going to be respected, listened to, and heard. Cards on your seat when you came in tonight, or for you. You can just take one, take two, give one to a friend, sign up online, do it yourself. Here's another avenue by which you can do this. Four weeks ago, we started a study that we're calling 21 Questions. So we came to our congregation. We said, okay, give us the questions, not just that you have, but like your friends have, people who do not share your faith in Christ. Like, what are people asking? And so four weeks ago, we said, why should we believe in the Bible? Because we had a whole category of questions. And the next week, we said, all right, Is Christianity really in conflict with science? Because there were a lot of questions. Two weeks ago, we said, okay, why is Christianity so exclusive? Yesterday, we said, all right, look, if there is a God and if he speaks, how do I know what he's saying? Like, how do I know what he wants me to do? How does he speak to me today? We do not have all the answers, but we're answering them from the Christian perspective as best we can. And I'd invite you into that process. So you can join us on Sunday mornings. You don't have to wear your coat. You can join us online if that just feels more comfortable for you. That's totally cool as well. Because here's what we are all about. Here's what Christmas is all about. It's about seeing Jesus. It's about him entering in in the most inviting form possible and inviting you to himself. 
And we're all about seeing Jesus, guys, because we believe that in him, there's life. So Merry Christmas, let's pray. Father, I thank you for this night. I thank you for all that it represents. I thank you for the family. I thank you for the the toys and the presents and even for the trampoline. Lord, I thank you for all of those trappings that we enjoy and and the people that we get to enjoy. But Lord, uh, tonight we come as those who need uh, to see Jesus, whether we realize it or not. God, we thank you that there is one and he is not held up in heaven, but he is the perfectly just man who will fashion this world into a perfectly just world. And when that comes, he has left us no need to fear. For he has taken our own injustices upon himself. And he has suffered justice, if you will, that we might be free of it. And so then, Lord, I pray that you would humble us in our hearts before him. That you would inspire within us the recognition that we need him. That you would bring us to a place of humility where we confess our need for his forgiveness for the wholeness and wellness that he alone can bring. God, take our imperfections, take our sin, but take our lives too. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.